Hello and welcome to this Thursday, July 18th, 2019 episode of the Law of Success Mastermind. Today's episode is Think and Grow Rich, Power of the Mastermind. This is actually chapter 10 in Think and Grow Rich, but it's um, the introduction in Law of Success and it's chapter 2 in Keys to Success. So that's why we uh, have jumped to it. Only 10 short pages. So I'm just going to shoot right through it tonight. And uh, then tomorrow I'll read a lot more of the Law of Success. Law of Success. I'll probably read 20 pages of the Law of Success tomorrow. And I'll still read 10 tonight. Power is essential for success in the accumulation of money. Plans are inert and useless without sufficient power to translate them into action. This chapter will describe the method by which an individual may attain and apply power. Power may be defined as organized and intelligently directed knowledge. Power, as the term is here used, refers to organized effort, sufficient to enable an individual to transmute desire into its monetary equivalent. Organized effort is produced through the coordination of effort of two or more people who work toward a definite end in a spirit of harmony. Power is required for the accumulation of money. Power is necessary for the retention of money after it has been accumulated. Let us ascertain how power may be acquired. If power is organized knowledge, let us examine the sources of knowledge infinite intelligence. This source of knowledge may be contacted through the procedure described in another chapter with the aid of a creative imagination. Accumulated experience. The accumulated experience of man, or that of which has been organized and recorded, may be found in any well-equipped public library. An important part of this accumulated experience is taught in public schools and colleges where it has been classified and organized. Experiment and research. In the field of science and in practically every other walk of life, men are gathering, classifying, and organizing new facts daily. This is the source to which one must turn when knowledge is not available through accumulated experience. Here, too, the creative imagination must often be used. Knowledge may be acquired from any of the foregoing sources. It may be converted into power by organizing it into definite plans and by expressing those plans in terms of action. Examination of the three major sources of knowledge will readily disclose the difficulty an individual would have if he depended upon his efforts alone. In assembling knowledge and expressing it through definite plans in terms of action, if his plans are comprehensive and if they contemplate large proportions, he must generally induce others to cooperate with him before he can inject into them the necessary element of power. Gaining power through the mastermind. The mastermind may be defined as coordination of knowledge and effort in a spirit of harmony between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose. 
No individual may have great power without availing himself of the mastermind. In a preceding chapter, instructions were given for the creation of plans for the purpose of translating desire into its monetary equivalent. If you carry out these instructions with persistence and intelligence and use discrimination in the selection of your mastermind group, your objective will have been halfway reached even before you begin to recognize it. So you may better understand the intangible potentialities of power available to you through a properly chosen mastermind group. We will here explain the two characteristics of the mastermind principle, one of which is economic in nature and the other psychic. The economic feature is obvious. Economic advantages may be created by any person who surrounds himself with the advice, counsel, and personal cooperation of a group of men who are willing to lend him wholehearted aid in a spirit of perfect harmony. This form of cooperation, cooperative alliance has been the basis of nearly every great fortune. Your understanding of this great truth may definitely determine your financial status. The psychic phase of the mastermind principle is much more difficult to comprehend. You may catch a significant suggestion from this statement. No two minds ever come together without thereby creating a third invisible intangible force which may be likened to a third mind. The human mind is a form of energy, a part of it being spiritual in nature. When the minds of two people are coordinated in a spirit of harmony, the spiritual units of energy of each mind form an affinity, which constitutes the psychic phase of the mastermind. The mastermind principle, or rather the economic feature of it, was first called to my attention by Andrew Carnegie more than 50 years ago. Discovery of this principle was responsible for the choice of my life's work. Mr. Carnegie's mastermind group consisted of a staff of approximately 50 men with whom he surrounded himself for the definite purpose of manufacturing and marketing steel. He attributed his entire fortune to the power he accumulated through his mastermind. Analyze the record of any man who has accumulated a great fortune and many of those who have accumulated modest fortunes and you will find that they have either consciously or unconsciously employed the mastermind principle. Great power can be accumulated through no other principle. How to multiply your brain power. Man's brain may be compared to an electric battery. It is a well-known fact that a group of electric batteries will provide more energy than a single battery. It is also a well-known fact that an individual battery will provide energy in proportion to the number and capacity of the cells it contains. The brain functions in a similar fashion. This accounts for the fact that some brains are more efficient than others and leads to this significant statement. A group of brains coordinated or connected in a spirit of harmony will provide more thought energy than a single brain, just as a group of electric batteries will provide more energy than a single battery. 
Through this metaphor, it becomes immediately obvious that the mastermind principle holds the secret of the power yielded by men who surround themselves with other men of brains. There follows now another statement which will lead still nearer to an understanding of the psychic phase of the mastermind principle. When a group of individual brains are coordinated and function in harmony, the increased energy created through that alliance becomes available to every individual brain in the group. It is a well-known fact that Henry Ford began his business career under the handicap of poverty, illiteracy, and ignorance. It is an equally well-known fact that within the inconceivably short period of 10 years, Mr. Ford mastered these three handicaps and and that within 25 years, he made himself one of the richest men in America. Connect with this fact the additional knowledge that Mr. Ford's most rapid strides became noticeable from the time he became a personal friend of Thomas A. Edison. And you will begin to understand that the influence of one mind upon another can accomplish. Go a step farther and consider the fact that Mr. Ford's most astounding achievements began from the time that he formed the acquaintances of Harvey Firestone, John Burroughs, and Luther Burbank, each a man of great brain capacity. And you will have further evidence that the power may be produced through friendly alliance of minds. Men take on the nature and the habits and the power of thought of those with whom they associate in a spirit of sympathy and harmony. Through his association with Edison, Burbank, Burroughs, and Firestone, Mr. Ford added to his own brain power the sum and substance of the intelligence, experience, knowledge, and spiritual forces of these four men. Moreover, he appropriated and made use of the mastermind principle through the methods of procedure described in this book. This principle is available to you. We have already mentioned Mahatma Gandhi Let us study the method by which he attained his stupendous power. It may be explained in a few words. He came by power through inducing over 200 million people to coordinate with mind and body in a spirit of harmony for a definite purpose. In brief, Gandhi accomplished a miracle. For it is a miracle when 200 million people can be induced, not forced, to cooperate in a spirit of harmony. If you doubt that this is a miracle, try to induce any two people to cooperate in a spirit of harmony for any length of time. Every man who manages a business knows what a difficult matter it is to get employees to work together in a spirit of even remotely resembling harmony. The list of the chief sources from which power may be attained is, as you have seen, headed by infinite intelligence. When two or more people coordinate in a spirit of harmony and work toward a definite objective, they place themselves in position through that alliance to absorb power directly from the great universal storehouse of infinite intelligence. This is the greatest of all sources of power. It is the source to which the genius and every great leader turn, whether they may be conscious of the fact or not. 
The other two major sources from which the knowledge necessary for the accumulation of power may be attained are no more reliable than the five senses of man. The senses are not always reliable. In subsequent chapters, the methods by which infinite intelligence may be most readily contacted will be adequately described. This is not a course on religion. No fundamental principle described in this book should be interpreted as being intended to interfere either directly or indirectly with any man's religious habits. This book was has been confined exclusively to instructing the reader how to transmute the definite purpose of desire for money into its monetary equivalent. Read, think, and meditate as you read. Soon, the entire subject will unfold, and you will see it in perspective. You are now seeing the detail of the individual chapters. The Power of Positive Emotions Money is shy and elusive. It must be wooed and won by methods not unlike those used by a determined lover in pursuit of a girl of his choice. And coincidental as it is, the power used in the wooing of money is not greatly different from that used in wooing a maiden. That power, when successfully used in the pursuit of money, must be mixed with faith. It, is, it must be mixed with desire. It must be mixed with persistence. It must be applied through a plan, and that plan must be set into action. When money comes in quantities known as the big money, it flows to the one who accumulates it, as easily as water flows downhill. There exists a great unseen stream of power, which may be compared to a river, except that one side flows in one direction, carrying all who get into the side of the stream, onward and upward to wealth, and the other side flows in the opposite direction, carrying all who are unfortunate enough to get into it, and not able to extricate themselves from it. Downward to misery and poverty. Every man who has accumulated a great fortune has recognized the existence of this stream of life. It consists of everyone's thinking process. The positive emotions of thought form the side of the stream which carries one to fortune. The negative emotions form the side which carries one down to poverty. This carries a thought of stupendous importance to the person who is following this book with the object of accumulating a fortune. If you are in the side of the stream of power which leads to poverty, this may serve as as an oar by which you may propel yourself over into the other side of the stream. It can serve you only through application and use. Merely reading and passing judgment on it, either one way or another, will in no way benefit you. Poverty and riches often change places. When riches take the place of poverty, the change is usually brought about through well-conceived and carefully executed plans. Poverty needs no plan. It needs no one to aid it because it is bold and ruthless. Riches are shy and timid. They have to be attracted. Next chapter. Not sure, but happiness is found in doing, not in merely possessing. Not merely in possessing. So that was the mastermind chapter in Think and Grow Rich.
Now, on to pages, page 30 of The Law of Success. While Mr. Ford's new automobile was in the process of perfection in 1927, it is said that he received advance orders with cash payments for more than 375,000 cars. At an estimated price of $600 per car, this would amount to $225 million, which he received before a single car was delivered. Such is the power of confidence in Ford's ability. Mr. Edison, as everyone knows, is a philosopher, scientist, and inventor. He is perhaps the keenest Bible student on earth a student of nature's Bible. However, and not of the myriads of man-made Bibles, however, and not of the, the myriads, Mr. Edison has such a keen insight into Mother Nature's Bible that he has harnessed and combined for the good of mankind more of nature's laws than any other person now living or who has ever lived. It was, it was he who brought together the point of a needle and a piece of revolving wax in such a way that the vibration of the human voice may be recorded, recorded and reproduced through the modern talking machine. And it may be Edison who will eventually enable man to pick up and correctly interpret the vibrations of thought which are now recorded in the boundless universe of ether just as he has enabled man to record and reproduce the spoken word. It was Edison who first harnessed the lightning and made it serve... Okay, real quick, back to the vibrations. Um, just think of Apple technology, the computers, uh, the, the kind of uh, communication we have through the ether. I would say that's quite powerful. Now, uh, I bet Napoleon Hill couldn't even imagine what we have now today. So, it was Edison who first harnessed the lightning and made it serve as a light for man's use through the aid of the incandescent electric light bulb. It was Edison who gave the world the modern moving picture. These are but a few of his outstanding achievements. These modern miracles, which he has performed not by trickery under the sham pretense of superhuman power, but in the very midst of the bright light of science, transcend all of the so-called miracles described in the man-made books of fiction. Mr. Firestone is the moving spirit in the great Firestone tire industry in Akron, Ohio. His industrial achievements are so well known wherever automobiles are used that no special comment on them seems necessary. All three of these men began their careers, business and professional, without capital and with but little schooling of that type usually referred to as education. With three men, all three men are now well educated, all three are wealthy, all three are powerful. Now let us inquire into the source of their wealth and power. Thus far 
we have been dealing only with effect. The true philosopher wishes to understand the cause of a given effect. It is a matter of general knowledge that Mr. Ford, Mr. Edison, and Mr. Firestone are close personal friends, and have been so for many years. That in former years they were in the habit of going away to the woods once a year for a period of rest, meditation, and recuperation. But it is not generally known. It is a grave doubt, if these three men themselves know it, that there exists between the three men a bond of harmony which has caused their minds to become blended into a mastermind. Which is the real source of the power of each? The mastermind, growing out of the coordination of the individual minds of Ford, Edison, and Firestone, has enabled these men to tune in on, the forces, on forces and sources of knowledge, with which most men are to no extent familiar. If the student doubts either the principle or the effects here described, let him remember that more than a half, more than half the theory here set forth is a known fact. For example, it is known that these three, these three men have great power. It is known that they are wealthy. It is known that they began without capital and with but little schooling. It is known that they form periodic mind contacts. It is known that they are harmonious and friendly. It is known that their achievements are so outstanding as to make it impossible to compare these advancements with those of other men in their respective fields of activity. All these effects are known to practically every schoolboy in the civilized world. Therefore, there can be no dispute as far as effects are concerned. Of one fact, connected with the cause of the achievements of Edison, Ford, and Firestone, we may be sure, namely, that these achievements were in no way based upon trickery, deceit, the supernatural, or so-called revelations, or any other form of unnatural law. These men do not possess a stock of legardemain. They work with natural laws, laws which, for the most part, are well known to all economists and leaders in the field of science, with the possible exception of the law upon which chemistry of the mind is based. As yet, chemistry of the mind is not sufficiently developed to be classed by scientific men in their catalog of known laws. A mastermind may be created by a group of men, by any group of people, I'm sorry, it doesn't say men. A mastermind may be created by any group of people who will coordinate their minds in the spirit of perfect harmony. The group may consist of any number from two upward. Best results appear available from the blending of six or seven minds. It has been suggested that Jesus Christ discovered how to make use of the principle of mind chemistry and that his seemingly miraculous performances grew out of the power he developed through the blending of the minds of his twelve disciples. 
it has been pointed out that when one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, broke faith, the mastermind immediately disintegrated, and Jesus met with the supreme catastrophe of his life. When two or more people harmonize their minds and produce the effect known as the mastermind, each person in the group becomes vested with the power to contact with and gather knowledge through the subconscious mind of all the other members of the group. This power becomes immediately noticeable. Having the effect of stimulating the mind to a higher rate of vibration and otherwise evidencing itself in the form of a more vivid imagination and the consciousness of what appears to be a sixth sense. It is through this sixth sense that new ideas will flash into the mind. These ideas take on the nature and form of the subject dominating the mind of the individual. If the entire group has met for the purpose of discussing a given subject, ideas concerning that subject will come pouring into the minds of all present, as if an outside influence were dictating them. The minds of those participating in the mastermind become as magnets, attracting ideas and thought stimuli of the most highly organized and practical nature from no one knows where. The process of mind blending, here described as a mastermind, may be likened to the act of one who connects many electric batteries in a single transmission wire, thereby stepping up the power flowing over that line. Each battery adds increases the power passing over that line by the amount of energy the battery carries, just so in the case of blending individual minds into a mastermind. Each mind, through the principle of mind chemistry, stimulates all the other minds in the group until the mind, en mind energy thus becomes so great that it penetrates to and connects with the universal energy known as ether, which in turn touches every atom of the entire universe. The modern radio apparatus substantiates to a considerable extent the theory here expounded. Powerful Sending or broadcasting stations must be erected through which the vibration of sound is stepping up before it be can be picked up by the much higher I apologize one second I'm just going to restart that. The modern radio apparatus substantiates to a considerable extent the theory here expounded. Powerful sending or broadcasting stations must be erected through which the vibration of sound is stepping up before it can be picked up by the much higher vibrating energy of the ether and carried in all directions. A mastermind made up of many individual minds so blended that they produce a strong vibrating energy cons constitutes almost an exact counterpart of the radio broadcasting station.
Every public speaker has felt the influence of mind chemistry, for it is a well-known fact that as soon as the individual minds of an audience become en rapport, attuned to the rate of vibration of the mind of the speaker, with the speaker, there is a noticeable increase of the enthusiasm in the speaker's mind, and he often arises to heights of oratory which surprise all, including himself. The first five to ten minutes of the average speech are devoted to what is known as warming up. By this is meant the process through which the minds of the speaker and his audience are becoming blended in a spirit of perfect harmony. Men cease to interest us when we find their limitations. The only sin is limitation. As soon as you once come up to a man's limitations, it is all over with him. Emerson. Every speaker knows what happens when this state of perfect harmony fails to materialize upon part of his audience. The seemingly supernatural phenomena occurring in spiritualistic meetings are the result of the reaction upon one another of the minds in the group. These phenomena seldom begin to manifest themselves under 10 to 20 minutes after the group is formed, for the reason that this is about the time required for the minds in the group to become harmonized or blended. The messages received by members of a spiritualistic group probably come from one of two sources, or from both. Namely, first, from the vast storehouse of subconscious mind of some member of the group, or second, from the universal storehouse of the ether, in which it is more than probable all thought vibration is preserved. Neither any f known natural law nor human reason supports the theory of communication with individuals who have died. It is a known fact that any individual may explore the store of knowledge in another's mind through this principle of mind chemistry, and it seems reasonable to suppose that this power may be extended to include contact with whatever vibrations are available in the ether, if there are any. The theory that all the higher and more refined vibrations, such as those growing out of thought, are preserved in the ether grows out of the known fact that neither matter nor energy the two known elements of the universe may be either created or destroyed. It is reasonable to suppose that all vibrations which have been stepped up sufficiently to be picked up and absorbed in the ether will go on forever. The vast vibrations which do not blend with or otherwise contact the ether probably live a natural life and die out. All the so-called geniuses probably gained their reputations because by mere chance or otherwise, they formed, formed alliances with other minds which enabled them to step up their own mind vibrations to where they were enabled to contact the vast temple of knowledge recorded and filed in the ether of the universe. All of the great geniuses, as far as this author has been enabled to gather the facts, were highly sexed people. The fact that sexual conduct, contact is the greatest known mind stimulant lends color to the theory herein described. Inquiring further into the source of power 
of economic power, as manifested by the achievements of men in the field of business, let us study the case of the Chicago group known as the Big Six, consisting of W.M. Wiley Jr., who owns the chewing gum business bearing his name. And Wrigley is what it's supposed to be. Oh, Wrigley, yeah. And those individual income is said to be more than $15 million a year. John R. Thompson, who operates the chain of lunchrooms bearing his name. Mr. Lascar, who owns the Lord and Thomas Advertising Agency. Mr. McCullough, who owns the Parmalee Express Company the largest transfer business in America, and Mr. Ritchie and Mr. Hertz, who own the yellow taxicab business. A reliable financial reporting company has estimated the yearly income of these six men at upwards of $25 million, or an average of more than $4 million per, a year per man. And that, that was in 1928. Analysis of the entire group of men discloses the fact that not only not one of them had any special educational advantages that all began without capital or extensive credit that their financial achievements achievement has been due to their own individual plans and not to any fortunate turn of the wheel of chance many years ago these six men formed a friendly alliance meeting at stated periods for the purpose of assisting one another with ideas and suggestions in their various and sundry lines of business endeavor. With the exception of Hertz and Ritchie, none of the six men were in any manner associated in a legal partnership. These meetings were strictly for the purpose of cooperating on the give-and-take basis of assisting one another with ideas and suggestions and occasionally by endorsing notes and other securities to assist some member of the group who had met with an emergency making such help necessary. It is said that each of the individuals belonging to this big six group is a millionaire many times over. As a rule, there is nothing worthy of special comment on behalf of a man who does nothing more than accumulate a few million dollars. However, there is something connected with the financial success of this particular group of men that is well worth comment, study, and analysis, and even emulation. And that something is the fact that they have learned how to coordinate their individual minds by blending them in a spirit of perfect harmony thereby creating a mastermind that unlocks to each individual of the group doors which are closed to most of the human race. The United States Steel Corporation is one of the strongest and most powerful industrial organizations in the world. The idea out of which this great industrial giant grew was born in the mind of Albert H. Gary, a more or less commonplace small-town lawyer who was born and reared in a small Illinois town near Chicago. Mr. Gary surrounded himself with a group of men whose minds he successfully blended in a spirit of perfect harmony, thereby creating the mastermind, which is the moving spirit of the great United States Steel Corporation. 
Search where you will, wherever you find an outstanding success in business, finance, industry, or in any of the other professions, you may be sure that that back of the success is some individual who has applied the principle of mind chemistry out of which a mastermind has been created. These outstanding successes often appear to be the handiwork of but one person, but search closely and the other individuals whose minds have been coordinated with his own may be found. Remember that two or more persons may operate the principle of mind chemistry so as to create a mastermind. Power, manpower, is organized knowledge expressed through intelligent efforts. No effort can be said to be organized unless the individuals engaged in the effort coordinate their knowledge and energy in a spirit of perfect harmony. Lack of such harmonious coordination of effort is the main cause of practically every business failure. An interesting experiment was conducted by this author in collaboration with the students of a well-known college. Each student was requested to write an essay on how and why Henry Ford became wealthy. Each student was required to describe as a part of his or her essay what was believed to be the nature of Ford's real assets of what these assets consisted in detail. The majority of the students gathered financial statements and inventories of the Ford assets and used these as the basis of their estimates of Ford's wealth. Included in these sources of Ford's wealth were such as cash and banks, raw and finished materials and stock, real estate and buildings, goodwill estimated at from 10 to 25% of the value of the material assets. One student out of the entire group of several hundred answered as follows. Henry Ford's assets consist in the main of two items. The one working capital and raw materials and finished raw materials, one, working capital and raw and finished materials, two, the knowledge gained from experience of Henry Ford himself and the cooperation of a well-trained organization which, which understands how to apply this knowledge to best advantage from the Ford viewpoint. It is impossible to estimate with anything approximating correctness, excuse me, correctness, the actual dollars and cents value of either of these two groups of assets but it is my opinion that their relative values are the organized value the organized knowledge of ford the ford organization 75 percent the value of cash and physical assets of every nature including raw and finished materials 25 percent so this author is of the opinion that this statement was not compiled by the young man whose name was signed to it without the assistance of some very analytical and experienced mind or minds. Unquestionably, the biggest asset that Henry Ford has is his own brain. Next to this would come the brains of his immediate circle of associates, for it has been through coordination of these that the physical assets which he controls were accumulated. Destroy every plant that Ford Motor Company owns, every piece of machinery, every atom of raw or finished material, every finished automobile, and every dollar on deposit in any bank, and Ford would still be the most powerful man economically on earth. 
The brains which have built the Ford business could duplicate it again in short order. Capital is always available in unlimited quantities to such brains as Ford's. Just a side note, um, during the economic recession in um, the 2000s, Ford was the only company other than Tesla that didn't go bankrupt. Tesla was very close. Um, Tesla was a startup. Ford was an existing company. But all the other major United States auto companies filed for bankruptcy and restructured. It's worth noting. Ford is the most powerful man on earth economically because he has the keenest and most practical conception of the principle or organized knowledge of any man on earth as far as this author has the means of knowing. Despite Ford's great power and financial success, it may be that he has blundered often in the application of the principles through which he accumulated his, this power. There is but little doubt that Ford's methods of mind coordination have often been crude. They must needs have been in the earlier days of this experience, before he gained the wisdom of application that would naturally go with maturity of years. Neither can there be much doubt that Ford's application of the principle of mind chemistry was, at least at the start, the result of a chance alliance with other minds, particularly the mind of Edison. It is more than probable that Mr. Ford's remarkable insight into the laws of nature was first begun as the result of his friendly alliance with his own wife, long before he ever met either Mr. Edison or Mr. Firestone. Many a man who never knows the real source of his success is made by his wife, through application of the mastermind principle. Mrs. Ford is a most remarkably intelligent woman, and this author has reason to believe that it was her mind blended with Mr. Ford's which gave him his first real start toward power. It may be mentioned without in any way depriving Ford of any honor or glory, that in his earlier days of experience he had to combat the powerful enemies of illiteracy and ignorance to a greater extent than did either Edison or Firestone, both of whom were gifted by natural heredity with a most fortunate aptitude for acquiring and applying knowledge. Ford had to hew his talent out of the rough, raw timbers of his hereditary estate. Within an inconceivably short period of time, Ford has mastered three of the most stubborn enemies of mankind and transferred them into assets constituting the very foundation of his success. These enemies are ignorance, illiteracy, and poverty. Any man who can stay the hand of these three savage forces much less harness and use them to good account is well worth close study by the less fortunate individuals. This is an age of industrial power in which we are living. The source of all this power is organized effort. Not only has the management of industrial enterprises efficiently organized individual workers, but in many instances mergers of industry have been effected in such a manner and to the end that these combinations as in the case of the United States Steel Corporation, for example, have accumulated practically unlimited power. 
One may hardly glance at the news of a day's events without seeing a report of some business, industrial or financial merger, bringing under one management enormous resources and thus creating great power. One day it is a group of banks, another day it is a group a chain of railroads, the next day it is a combination of steel plants, all merging for the purpose of developing power through highly organized and coordinated effort. Knowledge, general in nature and unorganized, is not power. It is only potential power, the material out of which real power may be developed. Any modern library contains an unorganized record of all the knowledge of value to which the present stage of civilization is heir. But this knowledge is not power because it is not organized. Every form of energy and every species of animal or plant life to survive must be organized. The oversized animals whose bones have filled nature's boneyard through extinction have left mute but certain evidence that non-organization means annihilation. From the electron, the smallest particle of matter, to the largest star in the universe, these and every material thing in between these two extremes offer proof positive that one of nature's first laws is that of organization. Fortunate is the individual who recognizes the importance of the law and makes it his business to familiarize himself with the various ways in which the law may be applied to advantage. The astute businessman has not only organized the importance of the law of organized effort, but he has made this law the warp and the woof of his power. Without any knowledge whatsoever of this pr- oops without any knowledge whatsoever of the principle of the mind chemistry or that such a principle exists, many men have accumulated great power by merely organizing the knowledge they possessed. The majority of all who have discovered the principle of mind chemistry and developed that principle into a master mind have stumbled upon this knowledge by the merest of accident often failing to recognize the real nature of their discovery or to understand the source of their power. All right, thanks for listening. Tomorrow we'll continue on with page 40 through probably 55 and then 56 through 70 the day after that. So have a great night. Thanks. Bye.